Thanks for listening to the Subtext Podcast. We are a Leeds-based record label. We really hope you can get involved with our Patreon, which is only £3 a month, and will help support the label and the artists on it, and allow us to keep doing this podcast. But the best thing you can do is just tell other people. Tell other people about the music releasing, tell other people about the record label, and tell other people about the podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Subtext Podcast. The Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> I mean, which that's a lot of pressure, so. <laughs> yeah, you've set the bar pretty high there. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's the best one. <laughs> Mamma Mia 2. Uh, Let's set the bar a little lower. The best thing about Mamma Mia 2 is, I've not seen it, but it's its title, which is Mamma Mia here we go again. Here we go again. Which is actually yeah, that was very clever, ingenious, and and shares in it. And you just you can't go wrong when okay, share shows up. There you go. I'm Ed. Uh, I am uh, one of the directors of uh, the record label sub and podcast Subtext. Uh, I'm joined by. I'm Seth, one of the other directors of Subtext, the label and podcast. Um, if you want to find out more about all three of us, you can just go back to last week's episode, episode one. Yeah. Yeah, do a little catch up. And I'm Eli. I'm the last part of the tri- trifecta. Oh, nice word. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that was good. And yeah. I said it with only four hours of sleep. I mean, oh. I'm delirious, but I'm I'm ready. <laughs> Apart from not like having any sleep, Eli, uh, you you've you've be, you've been jet setting. Yeah, yeah. I just came back from Rome, um, which was amazing. I've never been before. Um, so I think I'm I'm full you know, for the next week or so from the amount of pasta that I ate. <laughs> <laughs> See, pasta is one of those foods I don't eat in restaurants normally because, like, I can cook it at home. So, mm. when, you know, ever, but, like, Italy, when you're in Italy, that's different, right? I mean, you have to have the, the, the pasta and the pizza in Italy. Fair. I mean, handmade pasta is a yes. whole different ballgame. Yeah. That so good. Game changer, right? You couldn't, you couldn't see my hands, but I, I have them pressed together yeah. like the Mamma Mia. Are you going to do the chef kiss? I want to do the chef kiss, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, and you bought us, you, actually, you bought us back a, each a present, which we're very pleased with. The, I did, yeah. Uh, some beautiful, go on you, Sethi. Oh, yeah, this lovely little bottle of olive oil with uh, infused with garlic and rosemary. Oh, I can't oh, wait to cook yeah. with that. Yeah, I just want to encourage you both to eat loads of bread and carbs with me. I mean, I am I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've basically described my life. <laughs> when not podcasting, I'm usually eating I'm some eating kind of carbs. bread. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I think that's just one of the things I cannot give up. I just love it. Like last night I was a bit hungry. I was like, just bread and butter. Like Oh yeah. A good like baguette. Oh, French yeah. baguette. Oh, oh. yeah. Dude, I'd even go out on a limb and say it's one of mankind's, humankind's greatest inventions. Yeah, I think that's, I, I don't think that's hyperbole. Yeah, I think, I think that's pretty accurate. That feels true to me in, in my soul. Kick ass. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how about you, Seth? What have you, how's your week been? Um, I'm never able to remember my week when I'm in it. <laughs> it's about three weeks later that I'm like, oh yeah, I, I did all this. <laughs> yeah, no, um. We'll talk about a bit of this later because I'm uh, in the middle of applying for some funding oh, yeah, for a, cool. a community project. Yeah, that sounds really good. Yeah, we're looking forward to talking about that more. Yeah. In, uh, yeah, a bit later. 
But uh, yeah, exciting stuff. It is. I don't like filling forms in though. And this one was eight pages long. Oof. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I've been permanently scarred and traumatized by having to fill out a U.S. tax return every year. Oh, yes, man, yeah. we talked about that. Yeah, that was, I'm sure I did. Yeah. That was traumatic for, for like us as the, as the people <laughs> yeah. witnessing it. It was awful. Like, I, yeah, I've not seen you as broken, I don't think. Like, it was pretty <laughs> yeah. awful. Yeah, that was the, the straw that broke the camel's back yeah. this year. But got it done. It's all done and dusted. Done. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. You guys have got like dual citizenship and stuff like that, haven't you? You've got to like do weird shit. I'm just like I've just got to, you know good old HMRC. Tell them what I've, <laughs> tell them what I've earned, and then they add some money on top by yeah. by saying, "Oh yeah, we think you're going to earn this." Really? I'm glad you think that because I haven't. I'm freelance. I have no idea what I'm going to earn. But like, I'm glad you have faith in me. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks for that. Yeah, thanks. just so people know, so the world knows. American citizens, no matter how many other nationalities you acquire, you always have to file a U.S. tax return every year, regardless of how long you've lived abroad and any other circumstances. You're never exempt. And the only way to stop that is to revoke your American citizenship, wow. which is in and of itself a pain in the ass. That's just crazy to me. Yeah. Yeah. But hey, who's complaining? <laughs> you, you, me. You, you quite have <laughs> did a lot of complaining about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah um i've been I, i've been doing audio stuff actually this week i've been having quite a nice time with my so my good uh my good friend matt lazenby who designed our our uh our graphics so, so the subtext graphics signed by the brilliant matt lazenby um uh we're doing some stuff together at the moment we're doing some motion graphic stuff which is really exciting so i'm writing kind of lots of stuff for brands so like kind of anywhere between like two seconds and 10 seconds and it's uh yeah it's good fun i've really enjoyed it i've sort of that done, does sound yeah it's really great i really really enjoyed it um so we're doing that and i'm also i'm writing a beat for an mc oh, cool. uh, and i'm finishing finishing off an ep that i've been i mean it's become a bit of a magnus opus i sort of started back in june and normally when i'm writing an ep i can do just you know like two weeks and i'm there uh, this has been like honestly like bleeding rock um, the writing bit or the producing bit just the writing bit really just like and i think just crippled self-doubt was like oh is it just sound like everything else and, yeah. you know, and then you know I, and i left it for like three months and then i came back to it and i was like oh it's actually really good <laughs> you know that thing which you do you're like yeah this is rubbish and generic and then you go back and you go oh actually this yeah which is the creative the creative process you know in a nutshell right i feel like when um you're working on something for too long and you're too focused on it when you're hyper focused it gets to a point like when you say the same word over and over again and it kind of loses meaning yeah. in your head and you're like i have no gauge yeah on whether this is it could be brilliant it could be the worst thing that i've ever created yep and both possibilities are are equal <laughs> yep. and that and the exact pace of how much time you need to put in is anybody's guess I, i'm I'm still working on that usually yeah. like if i've been working on it for five days in a row i need a good solid weekend just completely the fuck away from it and then i come back on monday and you know it's either good or it's bad but yeah it's hard to know how much time yeah i mean i, mean, I, I figure usually if i'm sort of doing that thing where i'm just being hypercritical then it's time for me to stop then like because yeah you know i'm not hearing it anymore um and you just sort of guessing 
at what's good and what's bad. It's when you yeah. lose feeling for it. Yeah. When you become yeah. numb to what you do. That's it's, you so true. Start. And you start kind of um, trying to fix things, but you're not sure exactly what needs fixing. And so you end up yep. messing with what made it magic in the first place. Yeah. So true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's almost having to go back to that kind of kernel and a lot of time for me it's about stripping stuff away that i've added and just going oh actually that stuff was really good yeah and this stuff's just shit that i've added around it to kind of to to pad out my own like insecurity that is a really good trick i keep forgetting that one if you just if you it layers and layers and layers and then you get to a point everything's it's just you know this gigantic monument of, of garbage as you just <laughs> solo a few things yeah yeah just solo the drums and see like oh wait you know, yeah, I'm feeling those. Just drums and bass on its own. Yeah, yeah. Five seconds. Or yeah. the, you know, the call, you know, I sometimes I'll start with like a loop or something, you know, I'll make a loop and I'm like, oh yeah, they're, they're great. That's great. And actually I don't need to do much more than that. And I am the, I, I mean like, I come from like the Springsteen kind of uh, school of like arrangement, which is just throw everything at it, you know, and you know, I'm, I'm a huge Springsteen fan. So that's, you know, it works for him. And I very much come from that kind of like more, more, more. Whenever I hear records like by like people like the XX on Jamie XX, in fact, you know, and that kind of ability to be minimal, I'm just so jealous because God, you know, to just be able to kind of just go, I oh, that that's enough. I had yeah. a, I had a sculpture teacher who taught me that you should always try to push your idea to its absolute extreme, whatever the idea is, and and just see how far you can push it until until you've reached that that peak of extremity, and then and then dial it back if necessary. Yeah, I think that I think that makes sense. I feel like I live in extreme anyways. <laughs> yeah, extreme. It's very natural to me. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to put everything on it. Fair Absolutely enough. every layer. <laughs> oh, I did finish a Fold single this week. Oh, ah, that's amazing. Thank you. It's called Forever War, which is a pretty oh, fucking nice. heavy topic, as you can imagine. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds so light. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got fluffy bunnies on it. Although I did send someone today uh, who felt like they needed it. I did send someone uh, Choose Love, which is one of your records. Oh, I, I love I just, that song. Which, which I, just, I sort of give to people when I feel like they need it. I'm like, have this. And it makes everyone feel kind of quite happy and beautiful. And it's a very much cleansing song. So Choose Love by Fold, I highly recommend. I know we're not on recommend, but, you know, we'll do that later. But <laughs> that's just, I'm just slipping one Bonus in Bonus recommendation. Oh, yeah, exactly that. Oh, thank you. Um, so we should say a massive thank you to everyone who's been in touch since our first podcast. Yeah. Thanks, people. Uh, yeah. Oh my, my God, gosh. you listened to a whole hour of us talking. Yeah, I can't believe that. It's you, been amazing. You get a medal. Yeah. <laughs> it's been so like lovely just to hear kind of people's responses and stuff. Um and yeah, we really massively appreciate it. So um yeah, please do keep kind of uh, so you can email us at um info at subtext uh, uk subtext with no with no e because e's are for losers. Um because we're artsy. Yeah, I mean no. I was saying that uh, that vowels are for losers, but then I realized, you know, there's we, another we, vowel there in there. There is a vowel yeah. in there, yeah. <laughs> Again, dyslexic. <laughs> I don't know I feel bad. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Just... God damn it! There's another vowel in there. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> um, so yeah, massive. Yeah, just thank you. Um, and I think it kind of touched a nerve with a lot of people, particularly because we were talking. So last week's episode was called provocatively because that's what you have to be on the internet. Um, uh, fuck social media, and so we had like kind of um, some really lovely responses from people about kind of their relationship with social media, um, and and one uh, a lady called Catherine, 
who I've been working with has, has sent in sort of uh, message me a uh, voice message about kind of her response to what we were talking about and uh, so this is how she responded about and I think she makes some really great points here so seriously you know I'm I told you I'm doing this pain chronic pain treatment and part of it is like neuroscience education and um the nervous system basically the the entirety of social media I'm realizing is built to stimulate the sympathetic nervous system. And so when, um, when, and the podcast you guys were talking about, um, uh, you know, Oh, it started to become anxiety inducing being on social media. It's, it's never it, like, it never started. Like it's that it's always been <laughs> like, it, it literally stimulates the same things that, you know, cause anxiety and um, the parasympathetic nervous system, which is for your rest and digest. If the sympathetic becomes the dominant system, you're basically fucked. And I really am. I mean, I know this probably might not be news to you. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to say it like that, but I'm, I guess what is, is dawning on me is like everyone is in, <laughs> is in sympathetic nervous system domination basically because of you know these tools were not they weren't built by you know social social workers social like experts in um in group dynamics or society dynamics they were built by experts in capitalism really and experts in tech so what's my point my point is that everybody's got their foot on the gas and cannot get their foot on the brake, like their, their bodies become impossible, incapable of putting their foot on the brake. That's what's going on. And I would love to just like be part of offering people a, a like alternative way of connecting. Because I think the problem is we, I mean, again, you know this, but like we don't have alternatives for connecting. Like that's how we connect now. And I think, I don't think those platforms are necessarily bad in and of themselves, but they're bad as a, as a method for, for that, for the whole of our societal connection and building community, right? They're great for like, they're great for comedy. It's fantastic. TikTok, fantastic, funny. Um, but yeah, it's fucked up. So thank you, Catherine, for sending that in. And yeah, what do you guys sort of... I just couldn't believe that we'd actually evoked such an amazing <laughs> fucking response with yeah. our, with our uh, you know, ramblings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that definitely struck a, struck a chord. I think that a lot of us have a, a sort of collective feeling that we're unable to turn off or properly rest. And these, our phones and our computers and all of the social media websites that they're made to be addictive and they're made to keep you on. And so your mind kind of molds so that it will work with them and so that it craves them all the time. And it just becomes very difficult to turn that off and just connect with yourself or with anybody else um, authentically. 100%. And I think there's, there's a scale of susceptibility as well. You know, this, uh, <laughs> people with more neurodivergent brains, uh, especially, you know, people who struggle to focus, whether that's ADHD or, or whatever else, um, even more susceptible. Thank um, you for so the shout out. Trying to, <laughs> that's right. Trying to switch that shit off. Having those those things interfering with your uh, with your nervous system is not helpful. Yeah, and I think um, 
you know, and I find myself still, you know, before you guys arrived, you know, just waiting for you guys to arrive, and you know, you just do it, don't you? Sort of, you we become so quickly programmed into it, and I understand, you know, like you know, I'm. It's hard because you don't want to sort of go full demonization of like boo it's all terrible and aren't phones all but because they aren't there's a lot of things that i really love i love the the fact that you can be communicate so much more communicative with people like you know and you can keep you know whatsapp groups are brilliant you know i've got you know friends who we struggled necessarily to phone each other all the time because we're already busy but we've all got time to drop a little message in or when we're thinking of each other we'll throw a thing and that's a beautiful thing i think that's really important you know i don't think Communication is a bad thing. I, what I think, but as Catherine sort of mentioned, it's not communication. It's the, the kind of the particularly kind of you know uh, the Instagram sort of visual. It's a, it's a it's a life edit, right? It's a you know and well, yeah. WhatsApp is it? I mean, your WhatsApp groups are a really good example of. I mean, it's, that's that's a pretty healthy way to communicate with this technology because yeah, yeah. it's a you know it's it's a, the most simple thing you what you see is what you get you know you are literally just saying something to somebody or a group and that's what appears but on facebook instagram tiktok and twitter there's a lot more manipulation going on behind the scenes and what you see is not is not your own it's not self-determining yeah 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 and even within um messaging you know I, i'm i have um uh rejection sensitivity dysphoria so i basically take any sort of neutral interaction as some sort of negative interaction or rejection. Um, so I find things like texting. On one hand, I love it. I, it's allowed me to stay in touch with my family in Canada, and that's amazing. On the other hand, it's induced so much anxiety in that way because I don't have any other cues from your body language or your tone as to what your emotions are behind what you're saying to me. So if I get a neutral text, it's so much easier for me to interpret that as a passive aggressive text or as something somebody that doesn't want to talk to me um so it can be you know it's it can be great it can be anxiety inducing but it's everything in moderation man like yeah it's the takeover of it i think and you know i've fallen into into those sort of terrible things where you end up having quite important conversations over text and they can be really destructive. And I've done it with people I'm really close to and, you know, I really value. And you end up having these really pissy sort of stuff. And again, that thing which, you know, the internet is really guilty of, which is maybe saying things or, or putting things in a way which you wouldn't say to their face. You would you hide behind the kind of anonymity of it. And I think that's, that's really tricky and, and problematic. Um, and I find it problematic. And, you know, likewise, you, you end up, reading tone in stuff which is just the worst we're like oh you know you they've they've said this and it's like but they, you can read it about fifty thousand ways but our brains tend to because we are living on kind of large amounts of anxiety tends to read it in the negative yep uh, we we tend to forget that uh, like, what is it 80 percent of all communication is body language yeah I, think it, wow. I don't know if it's 80 but it's a very high percentage um and yeah, I mean, the take home message here clearly is we need to have more in-person interaction than we are having currently. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's interesting that kind of like the, the rejection of the sort of the metaverse that arrives sort of, you know, that Facebook. And I just thought I, I, like from a kind of like human point of view, it was so obvious it wasn't a work at this point because we'd all just been locked up for a year. Like when they was like, hey, you can hang out and be in this virtual world and not be around people. It's like, I'm all right, thanks. I've just 
And <laughs> just in a year of that, um, I quite like, I like that feeling of people being, and, you know, I'm still, I still think I've got some weird emotions about it, but ultimately I love being with people like, you know, and those having Zoom conversations while, you know, great that we did it and it was great to stay in touch. It is nothing like this, right? Yeah. We we always do more as a label together. Oh yeah. Than whenever we do it over Zoom. And can I just say that that whole metaverse thing was to me about as appealing as a giant turd <laughs> in my bowl of cereal. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a tricky one, isn't it? Um, I'm, I mean I'm just old, so I don't know. It's a real, I, yeah. I don't know if now's the, the time to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> so last week was about social media. Um, this week is also about social media. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we have a lot of feelings. We, yeah. But Fuck th- the metaverse. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, so Seth's batting for the. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, we want to have those no, nuanced conversations, Seth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell us how you really feel, Seth. <laughs> yeah, you bet I will. <laughs> Um, yeah, but uh, if you uh, if you got any kind of thoughts or you know want to respond at all, please do. We really want to hear your thoughts on kind of the stuff we were talk about, and you know, and it might be disagreeing with us. And we you know we really want to hear you know other other sides as well. We're not we kind of don't want to be dogmatic and say this is how we feel. It would be really nice to hear from somebody who's got a a kind of picture of what moving forward when what healthy relationship with social media would actually look like you know do we do we just abandon the 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 toxic platforms and focus only on you know the ones we think are 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 more personable yeah and algorithms play into that a lot too don't they you know uh, there there are toxic elements to i think every single platform like you know on um something like tiktok when you have your for you page depending on what you're actively searching out, that could be a really healing, really calming space for you. Um, But if you're looking at a a sort of myriad of different things from different opinions, it could end up being a little bit overwhelming um, because things are coming at you from all angles. And yeah, I totally agree with that. But also as like, last last comment on this. Sorry, yeah. As a parent, this is the wild west. Of oh, yeah. res- I mean, I know you can relate yeah. to this, Ed. Like, how nobody has a fucking clue how much interact, like online interaction is appropriate, how much screen time is appropriate. We just, we're the first generation to really be dealing with this raising kids in the middle who have just, were born with an iPad in their hand. Yeah. You know? So, really, no, you try to find advice on this, you'll get 80 different opinions, you know, an hour, eight hours, fuck knows. So we're all just left to kind of write the rule book ourselves here. And, and there's also a lot of, I don't know, also, I'd also say like that writing the rule book ourselves though is no bad thing. I think um, because, I mean, it's what I've personally found as a parent is like that my kids are so wildly individual. Like as, as you know, two people, uh, you know, you think, you think you can, you know, kind of follow a rule book and there isn't a rule book because you are dictated by that person and what that person needs and the boundaries that 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 human being needs and i and i think maybe that's why we possibly even struggle with social media because it is it's a boundary that's set up for from the mass rather than individuals and you know as someone who kind of believes in collective collectivism um it's tricky to kind of talk about individualism as a kind of it's really difficult, isn't it? Because you kind of go, you want expressions of individualism, but actually at the same time, you want things to kind of work as as a community. But 
I don't think social media works. It's, 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 I know what it is. I'm trying to say it, it, it feels like it is, um, it's individualism masquerading as community. Oh, very good. That that's nice. Very poignant. Yeah, you made a whole bunch of good points there. Actually, yeah. I mean, we. I believe in collectivism as well, but it's you know, it's being as as a human being, you, you must be concerned with the collective. But at the same time, your own individual needs have to be met. So it, it's yeah, it is a tricky balance there. Because yeah. fi- finding a, a system that's able to cater to individual needs as well as collect the you know being fair to the collective needs is, is a tough one. And we talk about kind of. It's a tough one, community, because it's sort of something that we, it's become kind of one of those kind of catch-all words, right, that we sort of boil down and, and use in a kind of nice sort of something that will just kind of, you know, yeah, that'll do. But like, I don't know, um, so it kind of leads us on, Seth, sort of what you're up to at the moment and sort of the work we're trying to do more as a label and kind of what we want to set up as a label, which is kind of the idea that we, so Dig Deep Shout Loud is our philosophy and the idea that we as a label want to kind of create a community and a community of artists. But, um, and you're sort of taking that one step further, Seth, with some of the stuff you're doing. Yeah, so um, this this week has been very much about this uh, funding application for, okay, so in, in my own community in Horsforth, um, recently there was a, a, a killing so a, a teenager was killed by another teenager. He was 15, like the one who was killed was 15 years old, Alfie Lewis. We knew this kid. And uh, he was killed by, I think, a 14-year-old, as, as far as we know. So this is, this is just kind of the latest incident in, the, in a slow and steady escalation. There's a lot of toxic masculinity. There's very little for these teenagers to do of that age. There's, there's basically nothing to do. Like, like we, I think we, did we touch on this last time? I think maybe we did. We've talked about this a lot. I think amongst we ourselves. have amongst ourselves, definitely. Just the fact that in you know, for especially for teenagers, they're since they got rid of all the youth clubs in the last few decades. This it's really like there's nowhere for them to gather indoors, and I mean very few places even outdoors. And there's also very little sort of role modeling. There are there are few opportunities for you know developing creative self expression um, outside of school. So. Um, I've been wanting for a long time to do to do something to to contribute myself. Um, so as a as a as a musician, the the one thing I can offer is is you know teaching teaching music production, which is usually something. There's a, a quite a huge economic barrier to that. There's a lot of equipment involved, and you know you have to have a space, and it's it's hard to gain access to that. They do have some of it in in the high school. They have you know reasonably good facilities, but that's in a classroom. That's you know it's a very different kind of setting, and you can't access it outside of school time. So I'm applying for funding from, from uh, the council to set up a music production workshop for kids of secondary school age. It'd be like once a week for two hours. And um, yeah, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be teaching whatever they want to learn. So it would be a safe, open space for them to gather up to maybe 10 people. And um, we'd also have check-ins as part of that. So, you know, a, a space, a try, I will try to make it as comfortable for them to kind of un, unburden themselves a little bit, discuss mental health issues without calling them mental health issues. But, you know, the, the other thing that I can offer is I'm, I'm, I seem to be okay at getting people to feel at ease with themselves. I, I don't want to toot my own horn here, but, you know, that's but it. You've got that easy, breezy manner. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. So you know, those, those two things should hopefully come in handy. And um, yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes. I haven't got the funding yet, but I'm meeting with the councillors next week. So fingers it's, crossed. I mean, it seems like it's, you know, and it's, 
this is the problem that's happened is that and 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 so it's really great that you're doing this and it's really great and obviously we sort of you were sort of putting subtext name to it as part kind of part of the the offering and hopefully we'll kind of come in as well um as partners and and we but there's also the the duality of that which is like and it's which is the governments and the councils kind of turning over the responsibility to the community and there's part you know oh, well, that's a good thing you know the community taking the lead on their own stuff but then there's also like in the same way that kind of food banks have happened and it's like oh well, you know like the conservative talking about food banks like they're a positive thing like oh isn't that great that we got it's like we shouldn't even have those and it's like it's great that you're doing it but in a way it's like shouldn't we have that provision in the first place yeah well we did have that provision in the first place of course before the tory government arrived um in the well it wasn't the tory government of course it was the uh coalition government arrived in 2010 and basically went on a on a mass kind of cutting spree of anything that they felt wasn't and the youth service was was what and i remember going to the youth services around that time because i was working community uh, quite a lot of community arts and um and it was like end of days, you know, like these places were just getting absolutely, you know, they're gathering almost and like just trying to their best to sort of survive. Because, you know, and they were in these buildings that were built in a lot of them were built in the kind of 70s, um, sort of 60s and 70s when the kind of idea was, oh, yeah, we should have a place for young people to go. Um, but have never had any more money spent on them. So they're collapsing, you know, and it was just it was uh, and it. And a lot of those provisions, and it's much like the arts, it's kind of invisible, right? We, we, they're not, you know, they're not something that we notice particularly, particularly as adults, you know. Exactly. That's a big one. I think that because we're adults, we don't necessarily see that empty space as much as um, a kid would feel it. I mean, I know you've, you've definitely felt it because you've seen, you've seen effects firsthand and everything. Um, but I think that it's really easy to forget that feeling of a kid. So uh, so much is there's so many barriers around what you can can and can't do. You have very little control over your life, um, and we know that in with with any animal, it needs enrichment. We're we're mammals. We need enrichment, and so it's difficult when we've created this society for adults and drawn a line around the majority of things that adults engage in like going to the pub um y- you know loads of things that we draw a line around that's about that's, it that's it yeah that's the majority of what i do <laughs> we, but we draw a line around these things and we say okay well your brains are making the most connections um within a day that then they will for the rest of your lives this is the most important time for brain development and and we're sectioning all this stuff off 100 percent and I wasn't saying that it's you only go to the pub. I mean, in this culture, yeah, that's we, what most adults yeah. do is drink. That's that's the fun drink. Oh, did somebody <laughs> say coping? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I think I, th- I think what's really always really interesting as well when we talk about young people, we talk about them as kind of set people. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, like oh, <laughs> the young people are bad, and it's like you're there us in about four years. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is they're transient. And 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 their needs are transient because generations change and we change. But actually, what doesn't change is the need for young people to commune um, and be with other young people. And you know, as as someone who grew up and went to different youth clubs, and like you know, we didn't do much. It wasn't like we went there and like well, you know, it's like we found ourselves. Although actually, one of our youth clubs was pretty progressive. Um, we you know we ended up going to like 
anti-fascist meetings and stuff like that, which was cool. Um, That's awesome. Um, but, you know, it was ultimately, you know, we just wanted to be with the young people. And, and you know, we did stuff like, you know, paper mache and shit, or play pool or, you know, or not just hang out, you know, and it's like, that's what you needed. In a non-cringy environment. Yeah. <laughs> I've kind of been left alone to it, right? You know, just like, oh yeah, just do what you want, you know? Yeah, that's the other thing because with young people, there is so much supervision and I understand the need for it. Obviously, we want to protect the youth, um, you know, the next generation that's coming up. But I also know, I mean, for for me at least, when I'm in a job where I'm constantly, su- you know when you've got a boss that is like, hovering over your shoulder that will that is like looking at your every single move and you feel like by the end of the day you're gonna burst out of your skin because you're like i'm a i let me do this my way without constantly being monitored and that is the majority of young people's lives understandably but i think that there is something to be said for allowing them to have that space in in a safe environment where they can interact in a way that they don't feel that they need to adjust because of the presence of adults. Yeah. And, and to not have to, um, it's, it's that toxic masculinity thing as well. Yeah. 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 A group setting where, where you can feel, well, a, you can be yourself and you can feel vulnerable. It's okay to feel vulnerable. Difficult to set that kind of space up. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think it's hard to kind of create those spaces without a hierarchy as well, you know, and, you know, and as someone who's sort of, being either side of those hierarchies and you know where you're sometimes the eldest and you're kind of looked up to or you're the youngest and you're desperately trying to get the attention of the kind of older or perceived cool kids i mean i was you know we've already discussed this never cool <laughs> kid. Um, <laughs> um, yeah i think but it's really i mean how how do you feel do you, do you are you feeling confident i suppose that's the are you feeling i'm well I'm, I'm feeling confident that we can get the funding yeah um and um and I'm really looking forward. I mean, if we, A, yes, if we get the funding, fucking great. You know, I can't wait because, yeah, I, I really want to be able to finally offer offer something personally that I, and yeah, I feel ready to just hang out with these kids and, and, and do some, you know, some music, fucking make some beats and shit. Yeah. But yeah. I like, I also like the idea of, um, it, well, setting it up, two things. One, that, that people can use whatever the la- language they want to use. You know, not abuse. We're not gonna. We're not there to like call each other names. But you know, swearing is fine, and just not imposing those kind of middle class values on them like they do at school. Fuck yeah, exactly. <laughs> Say whatever the fuck you want. Feel feel like you can be yourself. And then also, it's not it's not going to be a, a a rigorously structured curriculum that would be very loose. And and just you know, the first session will be like, what do you guys want to do? Do you want to do you want to make some beats? Do you want to write some some bars? You know, and, and we'll from there try to work out some kind of measurable goals you know, to end up with a, with a project, it could be a group project, could be a couple of smaller group projects where, you know, we say, okay, we're going to make a hip hop track. We're going to make a, an R and B track, fuck it, whatever, who cares? And then, um, and we'll, I'll figure out all the steps in between to help them get there. It's really interesting that kind of the music that you automatically go to, and I know that's partly personal preference, but also because I think that kind of accessibility and that sort of um, is kind of is hip hop and and sort of music that has come out of hip hop. Um, that that's the music we sort of tend to gravitate when we want to work with young people because, and there's an argument. Oh, well, you're just trying to be cool and down with the kids. And I mean, like you know, hip hop's fifty now. It's not exactly you know <laughs> new music, right? Um, I make drill too. 
and and yeah but like but it is those forms of music that we feel like that's making the most of a a connection with young people and uh, i don't know that's something really fantastic i really love that that's the music rather than it being like you know and i think a few years ago when we were like, oh, taking acoustic guitar in and try and make them write an you know an indie track or something on acoustic or sing a song track and it's like don't do that you know and it's and and also been taught by someone who like yourself who's you know had that your feet in that in the camp of hip-hop it's not like hey kids let's do rap yo <laughs> my name is seth and i'm the best it's like oh you know oh boy yeah which, I'm going to need like, you to finish that rapid. Uh, well, the problem is I've just got the, the rhyme in. My from, name is Seth and I'm, I'm the, the best. best. But I'm just thinking of the rap in, uh, in Coming to America with Eddie Murphy. Oh, yeah. All yeah. the DJs want to film my rest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know. I do think there's something to be said um, for the passion and the drive behind hip-hop as well. Mm. I think it's usually motivated by quite an intense emotion like every song in hip-hop it kind of has to be yeah um and that's also why i think it connects with a lot of young people because oh my god they've they've got a lot going on yeah yeah it's that it's that self-expression that's the that's like for me that's the the heart and soul of hip-hop that yeah. was it's, that's its reason for existing in the first place that and the creative appropriation of technology which yeah. which is also you know that that's that's part of the fun of it i i think you know and i think that's why I, don't, I never get really caught up in the whole sort of like the robots are coming to take over our world. You know, like I always think, yeah, there's always going to be like, but there's always going to be a person who's going to take you. Know, yeah, but what if we fuck with it? Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> I've always been that person. I, I love fucking with you. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, you know, look at the fucking, you know, the 808. The 808 yeah. was supposed to be like, and, and, and the 303. And, you know, like they, these were supposed to be sort of like replications of actual instruments and they were shit at that yeah but what they were amazing at was being themselves exactly and, you know the, and whenever we humans get hold of something and start fucking with it that's when that's when shit gets fun right yep and that's why you, you gotta give people access to yeah. at least something absolutely um again we'd love to hear your thoughts on that and uh kind of uh, hopefully seth you're gonna kind of feedback on about how it's all gonna go and you know oh you i know. certainly will yeah and i mean what would be lovely is you know if there's any music generated if we can maybe even play some on here oh, oh you yeah bet. that'd oh, be yeah. amazing yeah. no i even put in the application that like uh some of the the onward trajectories for these kids are if if something turns out really well like if a if a talent emerges we'll fucking sign them yeah <laughs> too right you know yeah yeah um, that I mean, that would be amazing, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that is something also that like brought us all together around things like social media and stuff. This was never about, um, you know, the numbers. We're just all really passionate about good art. Yeah. And so if that comes from, I mean, that's like actually a little, little fire of excitement in me thinking about one of these kids feeling inspired and delivering a message through through our label i mean we'd be so lucky that would be so awesome yeah. i mean i'm getting a little ahead of myself here i've not even got the funding yet but. yeah <laughs> uh, i mean i'm right there with you i'm, yeah. I'm <laughs> so obviously what we're trying to do is create and create a community kind of vibe with the kind of podcast and the label um uh and uh this is where we now ask for money <laughs> <laughs> 
um <laughs> seth you set this up so yeah explain. I, I, again i'm ripping off blind boy here but i love the way he does it so you know we're giving this away for free we're doing we're doing this bit for free the podcast is free and of course you know you can access all our music online everywhere um but we are uh offering people the opportunity to support us with a small monthly contribution it would just be three pounds a month if you can afford it it's free for everyone who can't, but for those who can, you're paying for everyone else to listen. And and it, of course, it supports the label and all of our projects that we're doing. So it's patreon.com slash subtext, S-U-B-T-X-T. Or Patreon, uh, if you're uh, if you, you're from the UK. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm not even sure anymore. I've been here so long. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, that's the majority of, you know, my inflection and the word and then the way that I say words. I'm like, I've. I've completely lost where this came from. What influenced this? What do we say in North America? Is it is it Patreon or Patreon? I think, I think it's, it's Patreon. Patreon. I say, where I the hell did I get Patreon? Pa- I'm patronizing Patri- myself. Patronage, though, that would be oh, yeah, patronage. That, but it's yeah. also patronage. Yeah. Yes, it is. Patronage. Potter, Pater, Potter. Well, however you say it, just make sure you just you know. The important thing is money. Yeah, just give us some money <laughs> so we can keep doing this. I'm so sorry if you just heard my stomach growl. It just happened. Oh, it's fair enough. <laughs> I think that. it came through in my headphones. <laughs> <laughs> so apart from lunch, um, what else? So uh, we've one of the things we want to kind of do uh, while well, he's... I love get recommendations because, you know, that the world... We, the tyranny of choice is real, people. Uh, and, and it's terrifying. And so I love it when people recommend me stuff so we kind of decided we we're going to do like a bit where every week we're just going to recommend some shit like not shit like you know actual <laughs> hopefully it's gonna be good but you know oh you know it might be shit um so uh recommendations for for this week mm, okay yeah no my mind was <laughs> just, just looked you at just you looked, <laughs> i was reeling there uh, uh yeah. you know what fuck it i'm gonna recommend okay so i'm actually going to be canceling my netflix subscription next month because <laughs> i'm poor as fuck and i don't i don't that there's not been i think i've watched everything i've, I've finished I, netflix you, you yeah netflix. yeah but I did watch the um, this this film they put up recently called Leave Leave the World Behind, mm-hmm. and I yeah I saw like mixed mixed reviews about it, but I actually thought it was really fucking good. The characters were um, quite unusually three dimensional. I thought they were all mostly really dislikable characters. I don't did, have you seen? Do you know anything no. about this film? I, I, Julia Roberts is in it, right? So yeah, it's um yeah it's Julia Roberts. Ethan Hawke and uh, Mahershala Ali. If, I hope I'm saying that right. He's great, that guy. I've seen him in a couple of things. It was gripping as fuck, this film. I, I was absolutely gripped the whole time. So on that basis alone, I think I'd recommend it. But it, it, it delves into some of some of the um, ooh, the more cataclysmic and apocalyptic scenarios and thoughts that are in my own head about how things could pan out and what human nature is really like in the darkest moments. There you go. Cool. So what, so what is it again? Sorry, what's it called again? <laughs> it's called Leave the World Behind. And it's on Netflix. And it's on Netflix. Thank you. Nice. Um, I'm going to recommend a book that I'm reading right now. Uh, it's uh, it's an, an autobiography is when they write it about themselves, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm just making sure I have that word in correct. Yeah, yeah, okay, right. good. It's right. biography or autobiography. Yeah, yeah. Okay, four hours of sleep. <laughs> so, so. Uh, it's where they write a biography about cars. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. to be honest, a lot of them, you know, ghost writers. Yeah. Well, this one is uh, not a ghost writer. Um, Jeanette McCurdy, uh, who was on the kids' show iCarly for years, um, wrote a book called I'm Glad My Mom Died. Um, 
and the the title is intentionally kind of shocking and and a bit divisive but it's been on the bestsellers list for like within the top 10 bestsellers list for over a year now since its release and i have never read something where somebody is able to reflect on an extremely codependent and toxic relationship with a parent in such a poignant um yet relatable sort of way even if i mean her situation was very extreme with her mother um but i think all of us can relate to on some level you know whether it's your parents or somebody else that was influential in your life um some of what she's writing about and she she describes it so eloquently i just have all the respect for her in the world i've started following her on everything and she's just released a podcast as well what was her name again jeanette mccurdy yeah i've heard of the book yeah it's yeah. it's a brilliant read cool and my wife uh, andrea she read it and said it was absolutely amazing yeah and she does describe things from like when she's five or six years old she has an incredible memory of these things and the way that things were so um black and white yeah you know as she got older then you get the layering and the complications and the questioning of this relationship but you know it it was just it felt like you were in her mind the entire time without uh falling into any sort of anything too complicated sure um so it was really yeah just a brilliant read i would definitely recommend it uh i recommend um uh it's a uh, demon copperhead by uh barbara kringsolver who um uh, so it's a retelling of uh, David Copperfield uh, by Charles Dickens, oh. but uh, set in um, the South uh, during the kind of the Oxy, uh, the Oxycontin um, opioid epidemic, which is a kind of a weird thing because it's come, obviously there's a lot been written around it at the moment. And um, I think part of that, and I think what's odd, because in the UK that didn't really filter through. Like he really wasn't in the news very much at all. Like the whole yeah, it's extraordinary. I, I feel like that's that's big farmers doing. But but anyway, carry on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. You know, they kind of kept it away. Um, I think also because how medication, uh, particularly at that point within the UK's history, we we had a very different relationship with um, with with farm pharmaceuticals because obviously it's all because we have a national service and which is a different a kind of whole different way of, of working um, and pray to fucking god we hold on to it um but it so it sort of um but it's so it's the retelling of copperfield through that lens and it is it's incredible and it's beautiful and it makes you you know it talks about kind of a whole swath of society that just largely is largely ignored and uh demonized and uh kind of laughed at it gives you now, and it's kind of it's almost it's post-industrial as well in terms of like this is a kind of community that that was healthy in the kind of golden days were in tobacco farming, and you know that 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 collapsed by this point and was collapsing the kind of tobacco farming at this point. So it's like there's a kind of whole generation that talk about the tobacco years as like this golden age, and you know it's not dissimilar, I suppose, to kind of like British manufacturing and and kind of how that changed and. You know, Leeds itself was a kind of industrial city that was built on on textiles. Um, my family, you know, were, were part of that, and you know, um, and so you know, it, it's kind of like it. Uh, it's just really brilliant. It's beautifully written, and it's so. Um, I actually listen to the audio because I listen to audiobooks because I'm dyslexic. So I find 
the act of reading quite hard. Um, so I listened and the, it was, it was it's such a beautiful listen. Um, so I highly recommend that. I'd also like to, and this isn't really a recommendation, more of a shout. Um, uh, Andre Brora passed away. I was going to say that. Uh, I was going to recommend Brooklyn Nine-Nine just for that reason. Yeah. I mean, if you haven't seen Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I don't know if you have. Uh, have Are you, you looking at me? Yeah, I'm looking at you. <laughs> have, have you seen Brooklyn Nine-Nine? I have. I have very strong mixed feelings about Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I, and I will only say it's a very funny show. It's excellent. It, and I will, I will praise it for that. It's very, it's very well written and it is, you know, the characters are absolutely fucking hilarious. On the other hand, it yeah. is what we call copaganda. Well, I, I don't know if you've seen the later series. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's it. That's, that's a, yeah. up to where. I mean, like they The did, last season. The last season they actually pulled and completely rewrote Oh. They felt they couldn't, as a cast, um, as an integrated cast, they couldn't They couldn't possibly not comment. And being New York, they could not comment. And so one of the characters leaves the, the police force. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I, I think... Oh, it gets heavy. It, yeah, it really does. And actually, throughout the series, there's there's there's, there's a part where one of the characters gets profiled. You know, th- th- this isn't... Th- yeah, I. It, it is stupid and it's ridiculous and, you know... Uh, but it is it's like I, one of my favorite stories was that um uh I th- it was um Stephanie Beatrice had gone to the audition um and then she'd seen that uh, Melissa Fomey yes. had been cast out with within the show um both our Latinx uh, uh from the Latinx community and she was like oh well I'm not getting this job then because they only they'll only cast one Latinx person and I truly feel that the character of Captain Holt was a gift to the world. Yeah. I mean, like, one of my favorite lines of anything I've ever watched is when one of the characters comes out as bisexual. Yeah. And he says, every time someone steps up and says who they are, the world becomes a better, more interesting place. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And having kind of, and he played a kind of uh, a, a black gay cop. And yeah, hit a police captain and, and has a very complicated relationship with that as well, which is beautiful. And yeah, yeah. He was just uh, a gem, and I feel like we were so lucky to get to watch him yeah, on the he screen. Was, he was brilliant. He was great. And as the series went on, he became so just this gorgeous, like, beacon. As as much as I actually do love the show, that that there still is, there's, I, and I will reserve judgment because I haven't watched the whole series. I've only watched up until like season three or four or something. Uh, I keep watching. Yeah. But, you know, up until this point, it, I can't help. There's always a part of me going, you know, having lived in Brooklyn, yeah, having dealt with the police plenty and knowing other people's experiences with the police. This is not what the fucking police force is like, my friends. And if, if only, if only it was like this, I, we would I, be I, living in a much merrier world. Would I, I we think not? that's what we do though with TV, right? I mean, like the West Wing, which I loved, you know, like that, it was a liberal's dream, right? That's it was like, God, if only our, the people who run our country were like cared that much, if only we had, you know, Josh and Toby and, you know, and President Bartlett, I know I would actually, you know, that would be wonderful, but we know, and I suppose that is, that's the thing is you revel in the fantasy of, of the goodness of it. Right. And, yeah. and it's escapism in, in its form, but it, you know, again, as, as, as certainly as the series goes on, it deals more and more and more with the problematic relationship that the police has with the public. Oh, we should check back in actually on this before you delete Netflix. <laughs> if you get through the um the series when you get through the series let's check back in on this yeah, that's gonna and be an see incentive if, to finish the series yeah, yeah. and see if if um a- anything has shifted yeah but, but, oh my god and, I mean, Andrew Bauer. the 
the last the last comment. Oh, wait, so wait, who was this who died? I don't even know. Uh, Captain Holt. Can you play Captain Holt? Oh my fucking god! Really? Yeah, sixty-one. Sixty-one. No, no age. Oh, yeah. I, I legitimately didn't even know that. Sorry. Burst into tears over my past. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was, I was, I was genuinely like, I'm, I'm always a bit like, eh, you know, when you know, like, because I didn't, uh, you know, I, I, yeah, I mean, especially because my kids, like, my eldest just watches Brooklyn Nine on repeat. So yeah, I have seen many of the episodes many times. Yeah, you know, as somebody um, who uh, is part of the LGBTQ community, um, I felt like his character meant so much to me and the things that he talked about. I, I just, I just really felt blessed to watch him on the screen um, and to kind of, and he was the perfect person for this character and to read interviews with him. I mean, he just seemed like such a genuine person who, at, like they said that they actually had a lot of trouble finding tapes where he wasn't smiling which is his whole character is yeah, just being emotional yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he held a special place in my heart for, with his character and everything and the finality of knowing that he couldn't be on our screens again really upset me yeah 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 i, think, I, I cry every five minutes every time somebody dies oh, yeah. <laughs> all this i've so many couldn't like deep yeah. connections with these random people i've never met i uh, cried this morning because i couldn't find a bowl for my cereal I mean that is. That I sucks. think that's what I think that's worth crying over. To be right? honest, yeah, absolutely. That you know, not... over unspilled milk. I had to. I had to eat it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how did you eat it? Yeah, I had to is... eat it out of a mug. I just uh, kind of like done that. Drank the cereal. Okay. Brilliant. Cup, uh, cup cereal is a thing in our house. Like, really yeah, love our, that. Our kids like you know something very comforting about it. Oh yeah, eating cereal out of a cup is really important. You know, we all need that. Uh, so yeah, so our recommendations uh, have been this week. Leave the world behind on Netflix if you still have it. I'm glad my mom <laughs> died by Jeanette McCurdy. Uh, Demon Cophead by Barbara Kingsolver and Brooklyn Nine Nine, which is on Netflix as well. So yeah, that's us. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Um, uh, I think we're going to wrap up here, right? It's yeah. Like a good time, good place. Yeah, that that's already started wrapping it up. Yeah, nice, like Christmas presents. Oh, uh, good job. Thanks, man. This this may well be our last episode before Christmas. Who I knows? doubt yeah. we'll squeeze one in, but who knows? Maybe, who knows? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to have to see about the um, connection because I'm going back to Canada. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Um, nice. You know, I'm just going to read and sit by the fire and drink mulled wine. I mean, that's basically, you've just described my next two weeks. <laughs> yeah. I'm mince pies. God, I love mince pies. <laughs> Um, <laughs> for for the uh, non-British audiences, can you describe? Yes, a mince that's pie? very important. <laughs> oh fuck! Um, Not that we have a non-British audience. But, <laughs> well, we've had some downloads. But yeah, an American person yeah. does not know what the fuck a mince no, pie is. No, I thought is. it was mince meat. What? I can, like seriously. for two years. So it's a it's a it's a. <laughs> I, mean, I don't fucking know what it is. I it's knew it. Like, it's like a it's pastry. Like suet. Short crust pastry. Short cut crust pastry in like a little pie. And it's like suet with like um, basically stuff you have in, in Christmas cakes, right? So it's like, you know. Do Americans know anything? Dude, my first Christmas here, I was like, "What the fuck is this? this yeah. How many traditions? You know, I, I, yeah. many because we have rum butter. Yeah, we have the history. That's why, guys. You know, like, yeah. you know, like you didn't just start it fifty years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, Coca Cola. I, I feel like that was. <laughs> That, I feel like that was a little bit of a, a hey, slight to Canada because yeah. we're really young. Yeah. <laughs> it is. You know, this is race hate, everyone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, uh, if we, you know, 
if you're listening to this after Christmas, I hope you've had a lovely Christmas. If you listened before, we hope you have a lovely Christmas. And um, happy Hanukkah. And happy Hanukkah. Um, and yeah, have, uh, have a good one. Uh, and this has been us. Yeah. Till next time. Dig deep, shout loud. Fuck yeah.